some of y'all have kids that barf more style than I do, Nehemiah. Uh, and, uh, and, but I consider myself a fashionable person. And uh, about six years ago, uh, I was at the Mecca of fashion, uh, Urban Outfitters, uh, with uh, Ava and the Vowinskis. And I saw a pair of overalls, and I really wanted them. I've always had a thing for overalls. I was like, I could, I could rock that trash. And uh, so I tried them on, and John, as a good friend, was like, if you're confident, rock it. And I was like, thank you. And then Carla looked at me and looked then right at Ava, because uh, Ava's never bitten her tongue on anything. And, uh, and she said, I will leave you. Uh, and so uh, that day, I didn't get the overalls. But Christmas just came and went, am I, am I right? And so uh, on, at Christmas, I was like, I'm going to get me some overalls. So I put on my Amazon wish list, which I send out to everybody. I, put, I, I went on Amazon. You, would you know that there is men's fashion overalls? There's a whole bunch of pairs of those on, 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 uh, on Amazon. So I put it on my wish list. I marked it on my wish list, high priority, so that I knew Mama Koash would get me those. But she told me I would look like a fool, and she didn't get those for me. So when I got a gift card, I bought me some overalls. And two days later, I was rocking them. And it was like, you will not. <laughs> I'm still married. Uh, but as I put them on last night, Ava was like, okay, like, you do you, I guess. Uh, but she said something. She's like, can you handle the criticism that you're going to get? Can you handle walking in and seeing Tommy Hartman uh, look at you like, like, what's that? Can you handle when, when you walk in and someone's like, oh, hey, Farmer Joe, like, can you handle that? Because Ava knows that on Sunday morning, it's a mental battle for me. The reason I got this necklace that says be strong and courageous is because I need to look at it and remind myself often on a Sunday morning, be strong, be courageous, do this. And as Ava said that, I went into a mental tizzy last night, uh, a mental warfare for me in my mind, wondering, like, could I do this? Because I know I walk on, on eggshells on a Sunday morning. And this quote that, that came to me from Craig Rochelle as I was going through this in my mind that, that says, if you live for people's approval, you will die at the hand of their rejection. And it hit me so hard in that moment where I was like, you know what? I am going to rock these on a Sunday morning because I live for the approval of Jesus Christ. I don't live for the crowd's approval. I don't live for the approval of anybody else. I live for Jesus Christ. And if I want to rock overalls, I'm going to rock some overalls. So the church that watches in and has nicknamed me the sweatpants pastor, now you can call me the overalls pastor. I don't care. Ava, I don't know if you heard, but they're clapping for my overalls. <laughs> uh, how many of us go through mental tizzies? How many of us go through these mental battles where we're overthinking things? These mental battles where, did, did I send the right email with the right tone? Or why haven't they responded to my email? Some of you are in that mental place right now. You have an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend sitting a few rows behind you. And right now, you're in that mental place saying, they must be staring right at my head. You're in this place with the mental, or you're, or you're not here because you're in that mental space Facebook Live. Because if I show up and they know what I've done, you go to that mental place. How much of our mental warfare, our mental battles, is because we're living for approval that ultimately we have in Jesus Christ? 
I want us to know that true peace comes from Jesus. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 26. It's written to people that are also in exile. Look, we looked at Daniel last week. He, he writes this to people in Babylon or, or Assyria. And they need a perspective change. Now they're in the midst of God's judgment, and now they need a change of perspective like you and I need. So here's how Isaiah chapter 26 starts. In that day, this song, so here Isaiah is a focus on the future, will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He, he sets up salvation as, as walls and, and bulwarks. A bulwark, I had to Google that, is, is a defensive wall. So our salvation is our strength. Our salvation is our peace. Our salvation is our protection. Open the gates. You only open the gates, especially in that day and age, if you are confident, if you want people to walk in. You close the gates if you're fearful of attack. So who walks into the gates? The righteous nation that keeps faith may enter. Those with faith draw close to God. It's a gate that's open to all, but those that enter are those that have faith in Jesus Christ. You, now keep this mind in verse, in, in mind. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Some of y'all need to tweet this right now. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You and I have peace of mind. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ. That is always our peace. You and I that have said yes to Jesus are at peace with God. So our big thought for this morning is focus on Jesus to find peace of mind. And where I want to go with this is I think Isaiah shows us three ways to remain in this mental state, three characteristics, but then I want to apply it to five actionable actions that we will do in our mind. So three ways that we can remain in this that which will lead to five actionable actions for us to do in our mind. So here's where we go. If we're going to focus on Jesus to find peace of mind, we're going to remain trusting. Because he trusts in you is where the verse goes. Those that trust in God have the peace of mind that, that he loves us, that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us, where we were at odds with God. Now we are his children, and so we have that peace of mind as we focus in on him because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody in the room is focused on a rock, but really should be focused in on the everlasting rock. Whoever needs to hear that, uh, for he has humbled the inheritance inhabitants of the height and the lofty city. He lays low, lays it low to the ground, call, casts it to dust. The foot tramples it. The feet of the poor steps of the needy. As Christians, we're always called in all circumstances to trust our Jesus. We said that in our salvation. We said, Jesus, I have an issue with sin that I can't fix on my own. Jesus, I can't fix the relationship with God Almighty, but I believe that you died on this earth. You walked this earth, lived a perfect life. You died for me. If I can trust him with the salvation, our biggest problem in humanity, guess what? I can live in that state of mind. Part of our, state, our, our salvation is a state of being. I get to rest in that place and trust God from that place as that consumes my thinking. My dad asked me over, over Christmas, he's like, you remember that state championship game uh, your senior year? You ever wonder why God did that? Let me tell you the backstory. 
I made my varsity soccer team my sophomore year, uh, and we were terrible, but we barely made the playoffs and lost in the first round. Uh, then my brother, who's a superstar, got on the team my junior year, and I lived in his shadow. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and we won the state championship game. Uh, no one expected that, and we, and we won it. Then my senior year, we were rolling. We were undefeated. Everybody expected us to win the state championship game. Right before uh, the playoffs, I got that kissing disease called, uh, disease called mono, uh, and I wasn't allowed to play. Uh, and everyone, okay, okay, anyways, uh, so I got, so I wasn't allowed to play, I missed the playoffs, and, and we got to the state, uh, the state finals game, and I went to the doctors, he wouldn't clear me, and we get to the state finals game, and it's tied after, after regulation, it's tied after two overtimes, and in New Hampshire, there was this rule that if you're tied in that situation, the state championship game has to go to a second game, and if it's tied after the second game, then you're just declared uh, co-champions, uh, co, uh, and so we go to the second championship game, and I went home, and I was like, dad, we're in a second game. Let's go back to the doctors. And we go back to the doctors. He checks me all out, and he's like, you're good to go. You can play. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you for, I just, it was my senior year, I just wanted five more minutes on the turf. So God, thank you for answering my prayers. We get to the state championship game, and the coach never, never plays me, because I hadn't been playing all the playoffs, and this was a, a vital game. So there I was. It got to a second game. I thought I saw the hand of God, and God never played me. My dad asked me about that, and, and as I thought about that, I was like, you know what? What if the doctor misdiagnosed me? I would never know that. Here's how I would know if the doctor misdiagnosed me. If I got onto the field, someone collided with me, and my spleen ruptured, and I died on that field. So, so in my mind, I can look at my salvation. I can look at my Jesus. And if I can say, Jesus, I trust you with everything. I trust you that there's a reason that this didn't play out like I wanted it to play out. It played out as you wanted it to play out. So we're going to remain trusting. Here's what we need to then resolve to do in our minds. We need to be resolved to mental trust. Verse 8 is going to go on to say that, that we're going to wait by walking in the ways of the Lord. Doesn't that seem to make no sense at all, to wait by walking? What, what does that mean? That you and I as Christians, we want to go our own way. We want to get ahead of God. But no, we're going to wait and trust that God's doing something in this season of life. That there's a reason for a preseason to, to get us to the, to the season. There's a reason behind, well, you're in school that's going to get you to the job. Or, or you, are, you are single. God's doing something in this moment to get you to the marriage. There's something going on for you right now. This season is not a waste. God's doing something in that. And you and I can trust God. And as we wait, as we keep walking and following, we're walking with him by trusting everything that he is doing and has done. Because as I read God's word, here's what you and I need to do as we, as we are resolved to mental focus, resolved to, to, to do this in our mind, to trust God. We should read scripture. You know why? Because what scripture tells me is something very different than the world of Insta. It tells me that God, uh, God sometimes does things in a moment, in a week, in a month. But sometimes he does it for 40 years. Sometimes it's generations. Sometimes the waiting game is you're like, well, hey, I've been clean for a week. God, what you doing? It's been a week. God, I I've been working this job. It's a week. Where's my promotion? But as I read through scripture, sometimes it's generations and generations. And so I will build my trust and free me up from the mental blame game of blaming it on God. And wondering, where is God? Like, God, you're in waiting and there's purpose behind that. So we're going to remain trusting. The second thing that we're going to do. 
when we focus in on Jesus for peace of mind, is we're going to remain dependent. Here's where the text goes. The path of the righteous is level. You make level uh, the way of the righteous. Righteous people are steadfast. They are consistent. Uh, in the path of your judgments, O oh Lord, we will, we will wait for you. Righteous people are willing to wait. Your name and your remembrance are the desire of my soul. My soul yearns for you. That, might, that in that might, my spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are on the earth, the inhabitants of the world, uh, world learn righteousness. If favor is, sworn to the is shown to the wicked, he does not uh, learn righteousness. In the land of the uprightness, he deals, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of God. O oh Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let, uh, let them uh, see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire uh, for your adversaries consume them. O oh Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done uh, for us all, uh, all, all our works. Where do we find peace? God ordains peace. Peace isn't manifested by us. God brings us peace. O oh Lord, our God, uh, other, others, have, have, um, others have besides us have, have ruled over us, but your name uh, alone will bring to remembrance. For they, they are dead. They will not live. They are shades, but they will not arise. To that end, you have, you have visited them with destruction and wiped them out of all remembrance of them. But you have in, in increased the nations. O oh Lord, you have increased the nations. You are glorified. You have enlarged the borders of the land. He, now he's right. Here's your people that have ruled over us. Here are people that have done, done to us. And guess what? They are a fading memory. We have forgotten. They have gone. They are forgotten about. But here who is remembered? Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. O oh Lord, in distress, they saw you they poured out a whispered prayer some of you in that place can you see that imagery or maybe it's God's judgment over you right now where we're like God I can only offer a whisper I'm praying for you to relent or maybe you're in a, in a season of, of exile maybe you're in a season of whatever the season is but there is that imagery that maybe all you can offer is a whispered prayer when your when your discipline was upon them, like a like a pregnant woman uh, who, who writhers writhers I don't know whatever uh, they pour uh, cries out in her in her pain or what or whisper prayer uh, cries out in her pains when she is near to giving birth. So so we because of you, O Lord, we were pregnant, we withered, uh, but but we have given birth to wind. You have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. This passage this this section brings out two areas that we misinterpret. The world can misinterpret God. In, in, in his judgments, because what judgment is supposed to do, judgment is to show us what, what, where God wants us to be righteous. If God brings punishment, that should show us something. God does not like said thing, but the world doesn't see that. When they see God's judgment, they go to blame. They go to all sorts of things. They don't see righteousness where you and I will see righteousness. Another area that we will misinterpret where God brings out is we as Christians. We as Christians want to get ahead of God. We want, even when we're under punishment, we want to get ahead of God. We want to fight for our own will. We want to fight for our own happiness, and we care very little then about God's will for our lives because we're trying to get ahead of him. God's will for your life is not your happiness. God's will for your life is holiness, and what flows from holiness is joy. 
What flows from holiness is contentment. God's will for your life is to be holy. Stop trying to circumvent that and bring blessing upon yourself. You wait upon the Lord and he will bring blessing. And when you try to circumvent God, sometimes then he needs to send judgment and punishment. Our mission statement is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. I don't want to live and lead in such a way that God has to bring judgment upon our church. Why? Because that will prevent us from attacking the mission. If we're under judgment, we can't go after the mission. When, when we're in God's will, we are attacking the mission. The nation of Israel, they were called to be a blessing to all nations, but they sinned. They went after life their own way, and so they were then under judgment. Under judgment, they're not a blessing to all nations. They're ruled by the nations. And so for you and I, how many of us are not being a blessing to our community right now because we try to circumvent God's will for our lives by going after our own will? And so we draw close to God. That's what Israel is doing right here. They're under judgment, and they're drawing close to God, having learned, assumed that they have learned something, crying out to God for deliverance, saying, God, I depend on you. God, what are you doing? Landon, come up here for a second. I love when Landon uh, is in worship and he's worshiping with me because he draws close to daddy. He, he's up here and he, he just like, he'll do this and then he'll, he'll tap me on the hand and he'll say, daddy, I, I prayed for you. It means so much. I know that he's drawing close to me because he just wants to be close to daddy. Now, if you're a parent, you also know that there's times where a kid draws close to you. They haven't talked to you for two days, but now they like, they cuddle up. Dad, you're so strong. Dad! And then you know something's coming. <laughs> what do you think about my tablet? Like, can I get another hour? Like, like you're watching some Hulu. Think we could uh, turn it to my Hulu? Uh, like, and you know they're drawing close to you to manipulate you. <laughs> and you can have a seat. We do that with God, don't we? We, we, get, we get in a season of struggle. We get in a season where there's all this mental baggage going on in our heads. And so we draw close to God, but we're trying to manipulate him. God, do this for me. God, this, God, this. God, God, God. We're telling God how to act as God instead of drawing close to God and saying, God, I simply want to be more like you. So if we're going to remain dependent, here's two things that we must do in our minds. We must, yes, we'll be resolved to mental trust, but we're going to resolve to mental honor. We're going to draw close to be like him. We're going to draw close to God to say, God, I'm going to give you all the honor in my life. How is that going to free us up mentally? I don't have to live for another's approval. I don't have to live to say, oh, are you pleased with me? I have to live in a way where, God, I'm going to give you all the honor. I'm going to give you all credit for my life. I don't live for somebody else's credit. I live for you to get all the credit and the glory. So what that means is you and I are not the sum of our past. You and I are not, hey, I'm Jason the alcoholic. I'm Jason the sexual deviant. I'm Jason the gossip. I'm Jason the thief. I'm Jason that. I am not that. Uh, I am not Jason the CEO. I'm not Jason the clerk. Jason the nurse. Jason, you fill in the blank of what you, Jason the dad or the mom. Jason this, the, I am not those things. What I am is a dependent child of God, and as a child of God, depending on my father I want him to get all the glory and honor for my life so you and I as we look to give God honor honor we look to free up our minds and think of ourselves as children of God it means that if we're going to be dependent upon God we're going to be resolved to mental belief that we can rest in knowing that God is moving we can rest in knowing that God can 
we can rest in knowing that an answer to prayer is yes, no, or wait. Some of us, we walk in here saying, God answered my prayer. We only ever say that when God said yes. Can you imagine walking here and being like, God answered my prayer. He said no. <laughs> because I'm dependent upon him and I trust him for that. <laughs> and so we can, we, can, we can go to mental belief knowing that a no is good, knowing that the weight is good. And when we want to rage mind, in, rage war in our mind saying, God, why did you say no? God, why are you saying uh, wait? No, we can free ourselves up to say, I'm dependent on God. God will do what God needs to do in our lives. <laughs> And so we need friends that will remind us that he's moving. We need to be in a life group to say, when I don't see God moving, the friends that we're surrounding ourselves will help us see that. We need to go to that 7 a.m. time of prayer over these next 14 days and remind ourselves of where God is moving. So we're going to remain trusting. We're going to remain dependent. But then thirdly, lastly, we're going to remain hopeful. He says this, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers, and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming out from this place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the bloodshed on it, and there will, and, and will no more cover its slain. We can't solve our own problem for death. We, we can try. We have a penalty for sin. It is, it is death. There's no plan. There's no strategy. There's no, there's no power that we can conjure up ourselves to raise ourselves up from the grave. We can do nothing. But this verse tells me that, it reminds me of resurrection. It reminds me that Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who come to me will find God. Those who come to me will live again. That he is the resurrection. That death has nothing. Death does not have the last word for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we die as Christians, we are ushered up into eternity before God Almighty. And that is a glorious thing. But here's the reminder in this passage. There's an enemy of God. And when death calls upon them, there is no hope. They're hopeless. Death for them is judgment. Death for them is eternity sealed. What, where, there is no hope in that. But that we as Christians, knowing what, is, what good is coming for us, wouldn't we want good to come for them? But as Christians, we're looking at them all the wrong ways. We're looking at them as enemies. We're fighting for our rights, our rights. The government's going to take away our rights. I don't care. My rights are with God Almighty. We're looking at them as enemies and trying to punish them, punish them, punish them. God will get, they'll get what's coming to them. But we hope they God, that God saves them through us. And so here, here there's this lady named Katrin something. And uh, she was a CrossFit uh, competitor. And in 2016, uh, she won. And uh, going into that battle, she was going into the last, uh, last heat. And uh, she was winning by like 60 some odd points. And uh, the last one was pegboards. And uh, she, even though she was a fierce competitor, her coach, Penn Bergeron, says that uh, she had only completed one pegboard in, in, its, in its entirety over the last year. That this was her Achilles heel. And so she was losing to this, this lady named uh, Tia. And in the last heat, Tia was awesome at the pegboard. And if Tia did really, really well and Catherine and, uh, and didn't do so well, uh, that, that Tia could overtake her in the last heat. So how would she stay focused? How, what would she learn from, from, her, from her enemy in this whole process? Check out how the, it she goes. Pushing herself you can see this limit. is the lady that goes yeah, into the last seat. She's in first place. Here, 85 pounds is not that heavy for her. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of adrenaline. That's the girl she's losing to, or that she could lose anymore. to. 
Pia Toomey continues to lead along with Kerry Pierce. Who has that strength? And Pierce has just closed out. Climb. You can see her now waiting. Number two, and she is working her way back to the barbell. For Not rushing. Thrusters. That's Tia Toomey. If she can work her way down, she'll get back to the barbell as well. And Sarah we'll Sigmund's daughter in a second start stretching her arms. to the top on her second climb. Catherine Davis' daughter has yet to get to the pegboard. And let's not forget, there are 30 other women who have completed this event. So why does she do that? Her, her coach will go on to say uh, to her right before the last heat, it's you versus the pegboard, not you versus the other competitors. Be smart. Be mature. No wasted effort. Live in your bubble. Don't be influenced by the other women. He knew that if she didn't focus on her race, she would screw up. If she got focused on the wrong things, that she wouldn't be able to compete as hard and as well as she should have been competing. He didn't want her to lose focus. So focus in on your race, not the other competitors. Do the very best you can because that is all that you can control. Ben Bergeron will go on to say, there. these are the moments when it is extremely difficult to stay focused on your own effort. If Katrin takes uh, a quick peek over at Tia and has the thought process, I have to keep up with her. If she tries to go up a little too quick and doesn't take the rest that she needs, she will fail and just do one pegboard. So you saw her taking rest. She, she doesn't complete the last heat, but she does good enough to win now by 10 points. It was one of the closest finishes in, in CrossFit history for, for the women. And so one of the things, if we're going to be resolved to hope, if we're going to remain hopeful, one of the things that we have to do is we have to be resolved then to mental awareness. Who's the real enemy? Yes, they are enemies of God. I understand that. We were once enemies of God, but God saved us and loves us. But he doesn't let, treat, tell us to look at them as an enemy. He tells us to look at them as a mission. And so when, when God needs to kill immorality in this world, when God cares chiefly about immorality, what we need to do in our mental awareness is first look at immorality in us. Stop looking at how immoral the world is. Why don't we first look at ourselves? Why don't we free ourselves up from being so focused on them to focus in on ourselves and say, God, do a work in me. Change me. And then we'll go out. And we'll show them the love of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have. The second and the, la the last thing is to, if we're going to be resolved to hope, we're going to be resolved to mental hope. Resurrection is key. I'm going to free myself up from the thinking that God better get me now. God, glorify me now. God, give me what's coming now. I, I can live a hard life. I can die a martyr, a, a terrible death. Why? This isn't my home. Eternity is my home. Eternity with Jesus is my home. I can free myself of so much baggage because here's what we do when we, when we look at this as our home. We get fixated on the temporary, the relationships that that's, that's not going to last, the job that isn't going with you to eternity, the money that's not going with you to eternity. None of that. When we, have when we have mental hope, when we're resolved to mental hope, we free ourselves from looking at the temporary and we dwell on the eternal. So keep... Keep in mind, keep focused on God. Here, here's our, we'll keep focus on Jesus to find peace of mind. Remain trusting, remain dependent, remain hopeful. How are we going to do that in our minds? What are we, we going to be resolved to do in our minds? Here's, here's the five things. We're going to be, we're going to be resolved to trust, resolved to honor, resolved to believe, resolved to awareness, resolved to hope. A few months ago, uh, actually about a year ago, I was, I was in, in the shower and I was going through my life. And I was like, everything sucks right now. 
everything didn't suck, but you know, like when you're stressed out, it seems like everything sucks. <laughs> and I was looking, I was like, you know what? The church isn't growing like I want it. The giving isn't where I want it. Uh, marriage is okay, but Ava and I seem to be fighting a lot. Kids are, you know, they're not responding to me as well as I want. <laughs> I'm looking at all these things in my life and saying everything is subpar. It's the winter time. I'm not waking up to work out like I want to work out. So my health is suffering. I'm up a few pounds. I'm not liking it. I was looking through everything. I was like, God, this sucks. It was raging war in my mind for the, for the weeks leading up to that. And what God reminded me was something that I was reading in a book. He reminded me that, one, stress exasperates everything in life. And something else I was reading in a book that time was, you know, when you're stressed out and you have a whole lot of things to improve, why don't you focus in on one thing and start celebrating? Like every, every little win is worth celebrating when you need to build some momentum. And so God reminded me that I was saying, Jason, you can't fix this area, this area, this area, this area. You can't give all of your attention, all of your energy to all of these areas. So why don't you focus in on one area? Celebrate me. Praise me in that. Keep everything else status quo. Build the routine, and then get at the other things. And so that's what I did. I started waking up early. I was like, okay, for the next seven days, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to work out. I can control that. I will crush that. I will celebrate God from that, and then I will start working. That's what got me out of a deep mental battle that I was having. And so that's my challenge for you right now. Perhaps you walked in this place with a whole lot of things that need some fixing. A whole lot of things that are raging war in your mind. My challenge to you right now is to improve one area. Right now, pick the one area that you're going to apply all of these truths to remain, to remain, to remain, to be resolved, resolved, resolved. Pick one area. Improve that one area. Doesn't mean ignore the bills. Doesn't mean ignore your family. It means keep things status quo and improve this one area. Celebrate God and then move on to the next one. Give this one area your focus. So we're going to close with the song, You, uh, So Will I. It's a song about praise. It's a song about who God says I am. Who you say I am. Maybe, is that the song? I don't know what we're saying. Yeah, who you say I am. We're going to sing a song to close. And uh, I want us to think about that area that needs improvement. When all the voices in your life are saying all these untruths about you, all these lies about you, whose voice is going to be louder? Their voice or the voice of God? Who are you in Christ? Whom do you belong to? We know who that is. And so what voice will be true? Sing this out as a declaration of worship. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.